Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We will find out more about Daniel Hostetler, Executive Director of Above and Beyond Family Recovery Center in Chicago, in just a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. Daniel Hostetler, Welcome. Well, thank you, Pamela. I'm very happy to be here. Now, Daniel, you've spent many years of your life working with a range of Christian-based organizations engaged in social justice activities. Can you tell us a little bit about what drove you to be so engaged in social justice work? Well, probably my own addiction. Um, I uh, am a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm just outing myself here. And I work in the nonprofit sector in change management consulting for um, 20 years, two of my own consulting companies. And when the wheels came off my life, I uh, found myself in the rooms uh, with other alcoholics. And uh, I had to put myself back in a way that made sense. And the way that I put myself back was, in a um, altruistic manner to give more than I receive, and, uh, and and that's really where my life has gone from there. When you say the wheels kind of came off of your life, what changed for you that that created such a a rift? I guess it, it sounds like. Well, um, I had uh, spent, as I said, the bulk of my life in change management consulting and leadership roles. And there's a great deal of pressure. And uh, it's a complex, these these are all complex organizations dealing with very high-powered individuals who all think a great deal about their own abilities. So to manage them uh, really calls for a great deal of of, uh, stamina to be able to do that. And for 10 of those years, I spent them in Italy. So I I was speaking in in a second tongue. So I compensated for that by kind of deadening myself to the world. Uh, when I came back from my overseas assignment, I opened up my own uh, consulting company dealing with the same individuals. And combined with my, with my drinking, uh, we were very successful. In our second year, we, we hit uh, number 318 on Inc.'s fastest growing uh, company. So we had uh, we had some distinctions and awards. We we got up to eighty consultants, which is not large by any means, but it was big for us. And I just couldn't really take the complexity. I couldn't take the pressure, and um, I started misfiring. So I started making poor decisions. I'll say, and uh, you know that culminated in in my just making a decision that this wasn't working anymore. And that's that's when I found myself in the AA rooms. When you say that you experienced a miraculous recovery experience, walk us through what happened. Well, I uh, actually went into AA to help my daughter. 
it was my daughter that I was convinced had the problem. She had just gone through another rehab. She had uh, quite a few drinking problems of her own. And I was not really aware of transgenerational trauma. I wasn't really aware of the arguments of nature versus nurture, any of these things. So she had just gone through this. My wife and I were intolerant to his her behavior, even though I was exhibiting the same behavior. And I went into uh, an AA meeting with her because she had broken her hip. She had been hit by a car and come out, spent five days in the emergency uh, room. Oh, my. And, or, or, or in intensive care, excuse me. So I took her into a meeting, and I, I sat at the table with her. She couldn't really walk on her own. And when I heard what was said at the table, um, I just couldn't deny the fact that I was an alcoholic myself. And so when it came my turn to talk, which I wasn't aware of any of the structure, I introduced myself as, my name is Dan, I'm an alcoholic. And uh, from that point on, I haven't had a drop to drink. That was July 22nd, 2005. And uh, that was the beginning of my my life change. For so many people, identifying themselves as an alcoholic is in and of itself, just taking that step, is so hugely powerful. Can you speak to that a bit? Why is that so powerful for so many? Well, I've actually changed quite a bit since that date, and I have come to believe that we are not our behaviors. So by calling ourselves uh, or naming ourselves by our behaviors, for many people, that's not helpful in their recovery. So I call myself an alcoholic um, now because I'm so accustomed to it. I've done it for so many years. But in my current role as executive director of uh, one of the most innovative, unique addiction centers in the world, and certainly in the United States, um, I have uh, I have increased my, my level of knowledge on, on all these different types of recovery that are available. So we don't do that here. We don't really call people alcoholics. Um, I think really what that, that cathartic moment of actually realizing that you have a problem, I think what it is is that the image of who you think you are is shattered. Uh, we work so hard to create images and to project success and wealth and comfort and, and confidence. And, and many times these are, they're not true at all. You know, we're, we're, we're overcompensating or covering up for other problems that are lying underneath. So when we make that statement, whatever it might be, I'm a, I'm a whole person, but I have a huge drinking problem. Uh, or I'm, I'm an alcoholic, or however we might express that, I think we're finally uh, leveling the playing field. We're finally recognizing that we have a problem, and the next step from there is to actually move into, now Now, what do I do? How, how do I want to change it? Do, do I want to take the steps necessary? And that calls for really just shedding almost your identity. You know, that's that's tough for a lot of people to do that. It was tough for me. I see people go through it all the time. Uh, and then you move into a very uncertain area. Of who do I want to be and who can I be? And many of us have gone through that back in our youth, back in our early youth when we were assuming and building identities and so forth. So in our later years, when we shed these uh, identities and we can be anything we want, uh, it, it's scary. Uh, you, you need some kind of a program usually to help you through that, either smart recovery or men or women for sobriety 
or uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or Refuge Recovery or Moderation Management or whatever, uh, whatever program you choose, you need something to give you to be a guide to help you. There was a, a, a time, as I know you know, that when, it, at least as clinicians, when we thought about treatment for folks who identified themselves as alcoholics or having a drinking problem, the only thing, the gold standard, was AA. And if you weren't going to do AA, then you weren't really serious about doing the work. That kind of thinking has significantly changed. I don't know. I, I guess it has. Um, I would say that uh, most recovery is um, still AA. Okay. Uh, and as an example, the second most popular program is Smart Recovery. So in Chicago, we have uh, 3,400 uh, meetings a week, AA meetings a week. And this is in ChicagoAA.org. These are meetings with CSRs and that are represented in the database at Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm talking about Chicago land, you know, including suburbs. That's a big number, 3,400 a week. And Absolutely. five of those meetings are ours. We, we have five of those meetings. I still go to meetings, three meetings a week right now. I still live by AA. That, that worked for me. AA has between 90 and 95% fallout, a failure rate, a gigantic failure rate. So uh, when you look at the second most popular um, recovery support mechanism, it's smart recovery uh, by far. And smart recovery only has 30 meetings a week Isn't that interesting? in Chicagoland. So, you know, you can say, well, really, smart is up and coming, which it is. We support smart completely. Uh, <clears throat> they have, they're having their 25th um, anniversary here in Chicago, a convention on September 22nd and 23rd of this year. And uh, we have large meetings of smart recovery here, but uh, from just what I said a moment ago, it, it, it doesn't even represent a fraction of all the meetings that, that are going on. They're, it's dominated by AA, which is abstinence space. Right. And, you know, that's so fascinating. I mean, I know that smart recovery has been around for many, many years. Uh, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I would like for you to sort of walk us through smart recovery for those who have not um, ha heard of smart recovery or have a familiarity with smart recovery. So, folks, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will return to continue the conversation with Dan Hotstetler, who is the Executive Director of Above and Beyond Family Recovery Center in Chicago. We'll be right back. Tell us about Smart Recovery. All right. Well, Smart Recovery has been around since the very early 90s, and uh, it is a collection of psychological tools. It's evidence-based, so at really everything in it is based on studies or um, work that's been done um, that's very substantial. So uh, it's a collection of tools uh, that are in a, in a handbook that they, they have that is 
just really quite remarkable. Um, rationally motivated behavior therapy is a big part of it. Terry London um, is an expert in that, and he works here. He's a board member of Above and Beyond Family Recovery Center, and he also works here to facilitate groups on our ABT. So um, it, the way that we epitomize it is with alcohol, uh, with Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, there's a requirement that we declare powerlessness. In smart recovery, uh, we declare ourselves as powerful. So you can see it's the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, and we actually have a process here where we require everybody who comes in and does an intake, they're required to go to one of each of these meetings and then make a, a choice on which one works best for them and where they feel the, that they'll get the most benefit. And overwhelmingly, people are choosing smart recovery. Given that they're overwhelmingly choosing smart recovery, why is it, do you think, that the AA model still has, as you pointed out, so many more meetings in Chicago worldwide, I'm going to imagine, versus smart recovery, where it seems like the, the, the fallout rate is so much less? Well, I think AA has, you know, been around for so long. It's deeply rooted. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, it's been around since the, the, the late 40s. And uh, it, it really kind of invented recovery. I mean, before smart recovery, uh, there, there wasn't much of anything. Uh, you know, high death rate, uh, very, very low recovery. So they, they uncovered a, a, a system that is just remarkable. I'm, I'm a member of it. I, I mean, I still believe in it. I still go to it and so forth. And without Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm convinced. But it has such a high fallout rate that uh, there need to be alternatives. There just need to be. And there are people that have uh, problems with different steps. Uh, they get stalled. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of old timerism in AA that doesn't really reflect AA, but if you're uh, somebody who's got a problem and you happen to go to a meeting that is filled with old timers that uh, have a lot of fables and talk in ways that are exclusionist, uh, then that's going to be your impression of AA. So I think there are a lot of people that don't have the right impression of what AA is and smart recovery, even though it started in the early nineties and that's quite a while they have been around for quite a while. Uh, they just don't have that kind of uh, history to them. Uh, they're growing by leaps and bounds. I think in the last uh, five years, they've almost quadrupled the number of meetings. So they're on a, a very steep growth curve upward. Uh, and eventually, you know, they probably will as they get more and more endorsements because there are people that are picking them up, uh, have the kind of prominence that AA has. But I think AA is really deeply embedded in the recovery community. And you have court systems, for example, that insist on 12-step programs, and that's all they'll recommend. They'll mandate uh, all the returning citizens that they talk to to go to AA meetings, and they, they won't include uh, 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 smart recovery. So it's deeply rooted in the justice system as well, which, you know, there are a lot of people that don't think that that's, that's right, including myself, and, um, and in our culture as well. So You, you talked about... Um, 
your organization uh, above and beyond Family Recovery Center as being unique. One of the things that it sounds like make it unique is the fact that you're giving participants exposure to different kinds of approaches and, and allowing them to make their own choice versus deciding that the clinician knows all and the clinician makes the choice. Well, that's right. That's right. We have um, most uh, most uh, places that uh, that offer um, mental health uh, assistance and work with co-occurring disorders and substance use disorder um, have IOP and OP, which is, stands for uh, intensive outpatient and outpatient. And those are the groups that they have. We have 27 different groups here. So our groups and they're, they're each one of them has a curriculum that is evidence based and rooted in recovery. So our groups run from um, acupuncture, yoga. Uh, we have Victor Frankel, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. So we are helping them uncover their purpose and meaning in life. We have Learning to Love Yourself, based on, based on the life work of Dr. Gay Hendricks. Um, we have uh, seniors. Uh, so we have uh, people over 65 and their recovery problems, which are very unique to them. Uh, we have trauma group, five hours of trauma every week. Uh, we have rage reduction. Uh, we have music therapy. We have art therapy. We have uh, EFT, tapping, emotional freedom technique. We have gender-based uh, groups, women for sobriety and men for sobriety. Um, so just from what I've said there, I don't need to go through the whole list, but we have a very wide range that, in our opinion, really kind of covers um, what it means to be a human being. We, we help rehumanize these people that come in and our, since our services are free and there's no charge, uh, we attract primarily a homeless and returning citizens population and people that are discards or are unable to pay. So that's, that's the crowds we have who are very receptive to being treated as people and being rehumanized. So it's a very different approach to recovery. And Justin, the the group that you've named, it really sounds quite extensive. And I was surprised to to see and hear you include yoga and acupuncture in the offerings that are available. But I, again, I think it speaks to the expansiveness of your approach. Well, um, it's our opinion. We also have more than that. We have a move uh, class. We have improv therapy we we're partnering with second city some people from second city uh so we we have a lot of things that you would not expect but there is a neurobiology to all of this and we really believe that getting the body active and getting back in tune with the body is very important uh we're about half alcohol half opioids and these are painkillers so there are a lot of people that dissociate from their bodies and what we're trying to do is put them back in touch with their bodies in a healthy manner so they can start loving themselves, all of themselves again, and get back in touch with, uh, you know, a lot of them are not used to pain, you know, the discomfort, physical discomfort, because they've been, you know, so full of painkillers uh, for so long that they've deadened themselves to their own bodies. So we have four different programs that reassociate them with their bodies. Talk about the particular difficulties for seniors who are coming into your program. Well, really interesting you bring this up because um, there, there are a couple of authors that we follow, Eckhart Tolle and Irv Yalom. They both, in fact, many, many authors uh, focus on the here and now. 
So as you get older, uh, you, you build up more history, and it's hard to stay in the here and now. You've got so little future as that future diminishes, and you end up being batted back and forth between the past and the future with a lot of fear about the future because there's just so little time and a lot of regret about the past and how you've misspent your life, especially in addiction. We end up with a lot of senior citizens walking in that have just uh, woke up. And it's like, what happened? You know, what happened to the world? Who are all these young people? What's with all this technology? So we help them stay in the, the current here and now, and we give them techniques. So these are things they can use when they're alone to keep them away from depression, to keep them in the here and now. And we use a lot of Victor Frankl's purpose and uncovering purpose and meaning to help them reframe the importance of their life to not only themselves, but everybody else in their environment. So we have exercises, we have curriculums that we work through that, and it's very suddenly become our, one of our most popular groups. Um, they have really become fastened uh, to that identity. It's called coming of age. Hmm. It, it really sounds like a, an interesting, unique program for people who can benefit from it so significantly. And, and I would suggest that for seniors, um, there's, I would think, a lot of emotional trauma, even if it's, and I'll just say just in quotes, around the issue of, of their drinking and how that's impacted the family and the length of time that it has impacted the family and perhaps family members who have decided just to disconnect from their seniors. Well, we have a lot of that. We, we actually have young people that have asked to come into the group because they have people, uh, older people in their lives that are experiencing the problems, the very problems that we talk about. So it gives them a language that they can carry back into their, uh, into their households, into their family situations that will be, you know, useful to both, both parties. You're absolutely right. Compassion, competence, and communal healing. What does this mean with respect to Above and Beyond Family Recovery Center? Boy, you know, that that's a kind of a complicated one. I'll tell you this. Um, we uh, answer the phone with a human being. Uh, as far as I know, we're the only uh, we're, the, we're the only addiction treatment center that does that. Uh, we are a walk in. Uh, we found that our populations cannot keep appointments. So we tell them to come down here right now whenever they call. Uh, we meet them with smiles. We, we meet them with nonjudgment. Uh, we do not shame them in any way. We are harm reduction, meaning that they may come in the door and they may be inebriated, they may be high, they may be on a medically administered or medically assisted treatment, MAT, and that's all right with us. As long as we can see progress and they're moving in the right direction, uh, they're members here. We, we, they're part of our family. So the compassion piece does not stop. We let them finish sentences. We meet their eyes. Uh, we ask them questions about what they're talking about. We demonstrate a, a genuine interest in what they're talking about. Uh, community, we believe that that's where healing takes place. And we're such a strong team here that we actually see our clients borrowing off of our collective neurobiology. Uh, whereas other places that you go into, it's like the staff reflects the people that come in. You, you eventually have a hard time telling them apart. Uh, same here, but it's all positive. We don't let them uh, we affect us. We affect them. I don't know if that makes sense the way I'm saying it. I feel like I'm 
being a little confusing in the way I'm explaining it, but no, we no. are very aware of burnout and yes. uh, we take steps to prevent it. So uh, I'll turn the floor back over to you. Daniel, you are not being confusing. It makes perfect sense. What I'd like to do now is to take a break, but to use a term that I'm thinking that at least some of our listeners aren't quite clear about when you talked about borrowing the neurobiology of the staff. Uh, so when we come back from a very brief break, I'd like to start there and just have you explain that to us a little bit more. Folks, this is Pamela okay. Brewery. You're listening to Mind Talk, having a conversation with Daniel Hosteller, who is with the Above and Beyond Family Recovery Center in Chicago. We'll be right back. Daniel, before the break, you talked about borrowing neurobiology. For those listening who aren't quite sure of what that means, can you tell us what you actually mean by that? Sure. Um, I can try. We have uh, a lot of interest in the brain and how the brain works. And uh, we haven't done any original research here, but we've done a ton of reading. And... um, We've all seen the effect of yawning when we yawn and people will catch yawns around us. We all know how that works. Um, It's the same with smiling. We may give a smile out and we'll notice that different people will catch that smile, the smile back. They may not even know why they're smiling. This is a result of mirror neurons uh, in our brains. Uh, Other people will mirror us. Either we will mirror them and they will or they will mirror us. We're very aware of that here. And so what we do is we collectively have come together to say, this is what we're going to project. We're going to project love. We're going to project acceptance. We're going to project non-threatening expressions on our face. Uh, We're going to give kindness, compassion. These are the things that embody who we are as a group. So as we do this, what we found, uh, we're in our third year now, we just began our third year. We found that that is reflected in the people that come in. We find them smiling. We find them mirroring us back to us. And so um, as we've looked at more and more into what this phenomenon is, uh, it's called uh, limbic uh, transference and limbic countertransference. And it's associated with intuition, but there's definitely science behind it. We have embodied that and turned it into a thing. That's what we do. Daniel, you do such wonderful work uh, with Above and Beyond Family Recovery Center. How do people get more information about what you're doing? Well, we have a website. We have a couple of websites. And uh, so that's the first place that I would send anybody to. They're pretty easy, www. And then three letters, A-N-D, Apple Nancy Bruce, dot today. So it's no.com, it's dot .today, anb.today. We have another one that's more of a simplistic website. It's anb.center. 
And uh, anybody's free to call. Um, we love to talk on the phone and explain to people what we do. Uh, can I get the telephone number? Absolutely. Uh, it's 773-940-2960. And uh, we're, we're still analog with the telephone. We still answer and talk to people. Uh, anybody who has any particular interest, uh, you can just ask for me. I'm ha- happy to talk to anybody who would uh, have an interest in what we do. I love that. There are three ways. And now you know that by giving out a telephone number and suggesting that a real-life human being answers it, you're, you're, you're kind of sounding like a dinosaur in some uh, circles. <laughs> well, in some ways, we are dinosaur. You know, I'm I'm six. Eight years old. I've been around. I love technology. Uh, I think people can go to our websites and see that we're ahead of that curve. Uh, we're doing just tremendous things here. We're doing brain spotting. We've got a group of a gaggle of just very open-minded uh, people here. But there are some things that are just better analog. And talking on the phone, I'll tell you, there. No matter what technology is invented, there will never be a substitute for it. Daniel, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your philosophy and certainly for sharing the work that is done, the wonderful work that is done at the Above and Beyond Family Recovery Center in Chicago. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Pamela. It's been an honor. And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service. It is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. Mind Talk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. You can get to Mind Talk on demand by going to the MindTalk website, which is M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. And while you're there, take a look around. You'll learn about all the other platforms we're on. You will be able to sign up for the program guide as well as for the weekly free giveaway. So M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. And remember always, folks, if it's unacceptable, then it's just absolutely unacceptable. You take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.